and welcome to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host is Justin Baker, who is joining me on what could be the final day of the 2022-2023 NHL season. Hi, Justin. I don't know. Oh, that's so sad. It's it so kind sad. of is, isn't it? <laughs> Which would be, yeah. that's the end of our fifth season. Oh, man. Five seasons. I, I guess so. Let me ask, because I, I, I don't think I've ever really thought about this before. Would our season technically start when the new NHL season starts, or do we have like an off season, kind of mm. like the NHL here? Well, here's how I see it. So we started in August 2017, right? So we started slightly before the 1718 season. Uh, so I'd say that we did like an off season that year. It just was shorter because we, we didn't start to August, but we did two months of an off season. Uh, or, you know, six weeks or so. And and we did some top tens around that time and whatnot. And then we jumped into the, the actual stuff. So, I mean, I think we had an off season. It was a little, just a little bit shorter. So, I mean, I think that we've had, in that case, we have already had five off seasons and five seasons. And then now this would be entering into our sixth off season. Wow. I think that's how I'd see it. Okay. Uh, I like it. But yeah, yeah, here we are, 302 episodes in and five freaking years later, and we're uh, <laughs> still doing it. Uh, and there there has been some, uh, I mean, of course, the fact that you know, we're one game away. By the time you're listening to this, you, you either you know who won the Stanley Cup, you know that it's Vegas, or uh, we're going back to Florida one way or another. Uh, this you'll you'll know the result by the time you're listening. This is like 4:30 on uh, Tuesday, the 13th. So uh, you'll definitely know the result of the game. But I think regardless of the result of the game, uh, we've seen a good final, and I, I'm almost now. It's it's hard at this time of year because you're I'm of course still interested in the game, but it's only two of the teams, and there's 30 other teams that are sitting around. And in fact, they're hardly sitting around because there are teams that are actually doing things right now. And it kind of makes me want to, you know, take the little shift away. Like I'm ready. I'm ready to talk draft stuff. I'm ready to talk free agency. I'm ready to, to see what trades go down. And uh, I suppose if I was a, a big Vegas fan or a big Florida Panthers fan, I I would be willing to wait. But I don't think I can wait. I just like. I'm ready to kind of move on from the from from the season. Although I want the I want the series to be extended, right? Like who doesn't want to see game 7 OT or something like that? That's what I root for every year. It's like the Super Bowl. You know, for the longest time there had never been an overtime in the Super Bowl, and so I would just always root for overtime in the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's great. So now I root for unless I have a vested interest in a particular team in in the finals, I just root for game 7 overtime because I think it's only happened a few times, two or three times where it's actually been, and it's, and it was like two times in the fifties or something with the Red Wings. I think the Red Wings have won it two times in overtime in a game seven within like four years of each other or something. So, anyways, uh, let's see. Hold on. Uh, is that right? So let's see the, well, no, I'm sorry. They're, the Red Wings are the have the distinction of being the only franchise ever to win a Stanley Cup in overtime in Game Seven of a series. Oh, so they're the only ones. Okay, there you go. I, yes, I, and, in 1950 and 1954. Okay, so they did do it twice. I was right. All right. Yep. yep. All right. Yeah. So, so the and the the Red Wings also have the distinct 
pleasure of being the only team to blow not not only a 3-1 lead in a series, but a 3-0 <laughs> lead in a Stanley Cup final series. Oh, God. <laughs> Something's coming up. Oh, Justin's dying. Uh, <laughs> I don't like to talk about I, that. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. It was, uh, it was just, you know, only 40 years before you were alive. Uh, yeah, the I, I didn't actually realize that no team other than that Leafs team that came back down 3-0 have ever even come back down 3-1 in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, I mean, being down 3-1 in the Stanley Cup Finals is a death sentence. No one has ever come back other than that one Leafs team, and that was like 1942. <laughs> mm. So, uh, and and that would have been, you know, I, I think some somewhere during World War II. And I don't know if you know anything about the the history of World War II in the NHL, but a lot of good players left. So you know maybe that had something to do with it. But anyways, uh, down three one. We'll see if Florida can do it. If if at, at this point, I, I do believe if any team could do it, it'd be the Florida Panthers to just cap off this run by doing something historical again, uh, coming back down three one. They did it once to the Bruins. Could they do it to the Vegas Golden Knights? I guess at this point, you'll know the answer to that. Um, should we uh, should we talk some, some head coaches being hired right now? We'll, we'll do coaches, and then we can do uh, different signings that have happened uh, since the last time we spoke last week. Um, let's let's go in order of hiring time. Uh, the first being the Calgary Flames bringing in good old Huska. Uh, Ryan Huska is promoted from the AHL to the Calgary Flames head coach. What what do you think of this move for the Flames? What is it? At least what does it like signify for the Flames moving forward? Well, I mean it 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 really signifies. I think just. Uh, a change in thinking, right? Because I know really like, you know, they, they, with Daryl Sutter, right. They, they wanted the experienced coach. They wanted the guy with the, with the pedigree. Right. So they bring in somebody else who doesn't have like that kind of, I don't know if prestige is the right word you want to use for, for Sutter, but you know, that kind of, you know, I mean, uh, sure. He's won two Stanley cloud, cups. He's been to three yeah. Stanley cup finals. Absolutely. He's, he's a prestigious coach. Maybe, maybe yeah. like not in the, like he's not a modern day type of coach. But I mean, he has won two, both his cups in the last twelve years. I mean, that's not like it's that long ago. Oh no, and I no disrespect to him, but I, you know, again, I, I just think this is a different way of thinking. That hey, you know what? Um, we need to we need to approach things a little bit differently, right? We don't need a taskmaster. We don't need you know a super disciplined coach. We want a guy. I mean, I, I mean, I don't know a ton about Ryan Huska and really his you know outside of you know what I can read on paper, right? I never really watched too much of you know, his, his minor league in the AHL and WHL play and, you know, how things went for him and, you know, the Flames organization prior to him coming here. But, you know, I, I, from what I read and what I understand, it's just, you know, you're getting a little bit younger. You're getting a guy who is, I guess, has a different way of thinking than Daryl Sutter. And you're hoping that maybe that kind of lock, you know, a lot of that potential and things that just weren't going so well for your team last year that maybe you think can, can kind of flip the switch, right. With some of these players like, you know, Jonathan Huberdeau and, Mackenzie Weger and, and Jacob Markstrom that these guys can turn a new leaf and, you know, really get back to the way they used to play. Right. I mean, it, I mean, look, the, the big example I look at is when Huberto and, and Mackenzie Weger, when they were playing in Florida, right, they had the young inexperienced coach of Andrew Burnett, a guy who's a former player, um, a little bit younger, thinks the game a little bit differently. Right. And he just unlocked that potential just so well out of these guys that I think that they're hoping that Ryan Huska can pretty much do the same. 
Yeah, let me. Uh, so there's there's an app called Sports Ox. Uh, they basically are like a recruitment platform and players can go in and they can actually rate and like put, put reviews of head coaches, uh, that they've had. You you can't just go sign up for this app. You actually have to be like invited, be a former player or something. Um, let me just read you a few of the things about Ryan Huska, uh, that were, that I saw posted from it. Um, one in from 2021 harder on younger guys than old guys. Uh, here's a different one. Husk expects the best out of his players and demands them to do the things that w- will push their development. Very organized day in and out, and he day in and day out, and he made it very clear for every game how he expected you to play. Uh, here's a negative one. This is from 2020, though. It says cared too much about details that had nothing to do with the game. Micromanaged players, didn't give confidence to guys who needed it. Honest and good person, smart and understands the game well. That was all one review, by the way. Oh. <laughs> uh, I, being, I guess being honest about the good things and the bad, right? Uh, last one, Huska's a really good coach. He holds guys accountable, gets the most out of his players every practice. It doesn't matter if you're a first-rounder or a free agent. He plays to win and will play the guys that are rolling that night. He tells you what you need to hear, not what you want to hear, and will make you a better player. I'd recommend him as a coach any day. Uh, I get the vibe from reading those. It was like four or five reviews uh, from players that used to play with him that he is going to push you. He's going to be honest with you, but it doesn't sound like he's... So in that sense, it sounds like he's similar to Daryl Sutter, but I don't think that he's the completely unreasonable kind of like old crusty curmudgeon <laughs> douchebag kind of vibe that maybe Sutter came across. Like Sutter just kind of had that unreasonable I'm the coach, so this is how I'm going to do it kind of attitude. And it sounds like Husko, well, he's going to push his players. Uh, it seems like guys respected him and and appreciated what he did for their game. So just just a little bit of an insight into into him because I, I also don't know a whole lot about him other than you know what I can read and so uh, I think that that's uh, it 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 to me signals the flames are maybe not necessarily coming into this next season going oh we're gonna go make the playoffs I don't know that this this hiring says that to me I think it might be more we need to build a different culture. And maybe they're willing to take some to take a beat. I don't. I think, of course, they want to make the playoffs. But I, I think that you would have to consider this taking a beat and going. They need to change the culture. It may not change overnight, and it, this might result in taking a slight step backwards before they can really catapult forward. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I. It, it wouldn't really shock me, but at the same time, right, I, I think sometimes, um, you know, sometimes you just need a shot in the arm, and it's it's easier to replace the head coach, too, than it is to, uh, you know, make a bunch of big moves. So. Yep, that's fair, too. That's fair, too. Uh, okay, let's go to the New York Rangers, who have been, uh, seems like they've been searching for a, a head coach for a long time, and Peter Laviolette's name has been out there for just as long, and uh, after deciding between Laviolette and ex-Predators coach John Hines, they go with Peter Laviolette, who it sounds like he signed a three-year deal worth slightly under $5 million a year with the Ooh. New York Rangers. 
That's a I nice mean, that little money deal. Doesn't surprise me, but <laughs> no, isn't it funny though how much money Babcock got and nobody's getting that anymore? Even yeah, after, I think... and, and and even that's even like think about what's happened with inflation. So I mean, a, a six million dollar deal. If you if you just say, hey, maybe over that time uh, since twenty fourteen, I mean, we've seen at least at least probably ten fifteen percent in inflation. So now that deal is really five point four million what it of what it was before i mean or even less so it's just interesting that coaches just are not getting the same amount of money that they were at that time there were other well, coaches think, that got signed for big deals then too yeah and i i think the the big reason for that is basically because guys like babcock are you know again those prestige coaches those those guys who have won cups those guys who've been around coaching forever right you're seeing them get you know, they're not staying in the same place for five, six, seven years. Like we used to see head coaches all the time, get a chance to really, you know, uh, you know, really, I guess, see things through right to the end. Um, you know, really now it, it almost feels like coaches every two or three years, if you haven't, you know, cut the mustard, uh, you're gone. Right. So I think, you know, teams just don't want to invest a ton of money and get stuck like Vancouver paying five coaches. Well, I, and, <laughs> but see, I like, like for Laviolette, I mean, we all know what Laviolette can do. I mean, he can walk into right. a team and he can change change the culture really quickly and take a team and catapult them. Uh, but he has a a lifespan, and and it seems to be about three years. So the three years doesn't surprise me. But you know, I you you just kind of wonder, and and that's fine. They don't want to sign guys to a super long deal, um, but you'd think three years in that AAV would would go up. Uh, over over the last what seven years, and no one has made more than Babcock in seven years. That, that's just interesting. That even even if you're not going to sign somebody to like an eight, a six, eight, seven year deal, that's fine. But interesting that they're not still, you know, hey, maybe seven million dollars a year for the for a very highly prestigious head coach. But uh, eh, just an interesting observation. Uh, what do you think? Laviolette is going to do for this team that Gerard Gallant could not. Well, I mean, gosh, I, I think he's going to bring the in-game adjustment um, to this team where I, I think maybe he's going to shine a little bit more than Gerard Gallant did, right? We all know Gallant is, is definitely a player's coach. He, you know, he's a smart guy. There's in no disrespect to him, but I, you know, I, I looked at that Rangers devil series and I, I saw a lot of opportunities for uh, Gallant to make some in-game adjustments, but really they, they didn't. I mean, they just kind of stuck with what they got. And, and, and you saw it in the frustration of, you know, Igor Shesterkin, you know, literally shooting the puck down the ice, trying to push his guys. And really that, that motivation, that, that drive, that in-game change that they really needed uh, just wasn't there in that series. And I, I think maybe, you know, maybe he lost the locker room a little bit. Who knows? Um, but I, I do think one thing Laviolette will bring is going to be that in-game adjustment. And, you you know, whether that's in the form of changing lines or just that style of play maybe a little bit more, um, I, I think he's going to bring that pedigree. And it, and it shows because he's, you know, he's taken a couple different teams to the, the Stanley Cup Finals with Philly and, and Nashville and, and ultimately won it with the Canes his, his, you know, time there. Yeah, so he's good for at least one Stanley Cup run except for with Washington. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, Washington, he, Washington was basically – in the last or second to last year of their legitimate Stanley cup window. And he walks in there and really like that team wasn't going to go very far 
from from the way that it was built. I mean, they won their cup, and that was kind of that was kind of it. Like they weren't gonna they they yep. had their chances long before that. Many many great teams that could have won the Stanley Cup had they been able to break through. And uh, I think he just kind of took over at the wrong time for the Washington Capitals. But um, all right, so he's the head coach of the New York Rangers. It'll be interesting to see you know how that all kind of pans out. Uh, can he get the Rangers over the hump? I mean, the Rangers are like a lot of teams. We don't really care about the regular season. Uh, we're just waiting to see what they can do in the playoffs. And they are a team that, you know, obviously they they went to the conference finals last year. They lose in the first round this year. And, I mean, anything short of Stanley Cup is going to be a failure. So it'll be, I mean, can Peter Laviolette win a cup, which would be, uh, what, like 16? Or they won in 06. 06, So maybe. it would be... Yeah, it would be sixteen, so eighteen years between cups. That's a that's that would be a pretty impressive feat. Uh, I don't know what the longest time between coaching Stanley Cups would be. Uh, that would be an interesting little. Everything's interesting to me right now. Apparently, I have no other <laughs> vocab. Uh, that would be fascinating to find out. Fascinating. There you go. Oh, anyways, we'll we'll somebody look that up, or I will. Uh, Let's go to uh, to some of these signings. Uh, the, I think the the craziest one will just start here because it's simply a, a player re-signing with his team. Andreas Athanasiu getting $4.25 million a season for two years. What did you think of this deal when you saw it? Did you think Andreas Athanasiu would ever get $4.25 million? No, but I, I honestly <laughs> thought that it was simply a cap floor move for Chicago, right? They, I mean, there's no shocker that yeah, you know yeah. Taves isn't coming back, Kane's not coming back, so they've got they've got to spend the money somewhere, right? And I think you know he was coming off you know uh, a deal that he was making basically three million bucks, so you knew as well as he played last year. I thought he looked pretty good as a, a second line guy for for Chicago, who was you know bouncing up and down you know the, the first and second line most of the year, but forty points, twenty goals. I mean, to me, that's that's kind of worth a little bit of a raise. Now, m- maybe not much, but, you know, it was enough to say, hey, you know what? We like what you've been doing. We think you're, you know, that they need some guys that they <laughs> – they basically need guys that they've got to pay money to um, and not drastically overpay, like go out and get – like, for example, Derek Ryan just signing with Edmonton. They don't want to pay a guy like that $6 million bucks just to, you know, hit the cap floor, right? So Sure, um, sure. So, yeah, I mean, this is – it's an admirable signing one I'm not surprised about. Maybe it's a little bit more than I thought he was going to get, but – you know, again, he 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 looks like he fits in well in that organization. He brings a little bit of swag to a team that's definitely going to be uh, rebuilding, and hopefully, he'll be a uh, you know maybe maybe he'll get to play with Connor Bedard this season, and and maybe look you know maybe make yeah, those numbers probably, look even that's, better. That's how they convinced him to hey, like we'll give you a little bit more money. Uh, Mike, my, my guess is that he had an okay year. It's not like he was he was bad at forty points, but my guess is that. You know, he maybe is a three and a half million dollar player anywhere else, but you go, we'll pay you a little bit more to keep you. And we know, like, it's still going to be probably pretty painful to play here next year, <laughs> even with Bedard. I mean, let's say Bedard takes them out of the basement. They're still probably not going to, like, who, what team are they going to jump next year? Like, Anaheim theoretically is going to be better. Columbus is going to be better. I mean, there maybe they jump like a San Jose who just Philly, <laughs> Philly, yeah, Philly. 
Yeah. So I mean, you jump, but you jump a couple teams. There's not a whole. It doesn't seem like you're going to go and and contend for a playoff spot too quickly. Like it's going to be a little bit of a road. Um, even if he turns out to be just as good or better than Connor McDavid or something, like it's still going to be a second because they don't just have nothing there now. Right. Exactly. McDavid didn't come in and Edmonton all of a sudden is a playoff contender. Right. It's it takes time. You need other guys. Yep, exactly. Um, okay, other deals signed. Uh, we finally saw one of your uh, lovely sign-in trades, your favorite things ever. Uh, this is only the second time that a sign-in trade has ever happened. Do you know the other time that it's happened? Yeah, it's Matthew Kachuk. Yeah, okay, there you go. Um, it, wasn't lo- it wasn't long enough ago for, to forget. Exactly. <laughs> uh, we get... Which that one was like, okay, yeah, of course you do sign and trade with a great player. Um, not not that Damon Severson isn't a good player, but he I definitely would not put great in front of his name. Uh, he signs an eight year six point two five on the AAV, signs it with the New Jersey Devils, and then gets dealt for a paltry third round pick. And uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets get their other defensemen so they they have loaded up at the defense position and uh what what do you think about what columbus has done thus far getting Provorov and severson uh adding to the blue line for none other than michael babcock yeah i mean again it's it's expected to be babcock right not official yet but um you know again i i think this is an opportunity for columbus to not have to rush they're younger guys, right? I think when, when you talk about younger guys, right, you don't have to put Boquist in a situation where he can't handle things defensively, right? Because we know he can bring an offensive style. He can bring that, you know, that that possession game. But he, you know, playing the defensive side of the game really and, you know, when, when he's on the penalty kill, right, he's, he's a guy you necessarily don't, you know, want out there for the full two minutes. Uh, and same with David Juracek, too. He's He's an up-and-coming rookie who I think maybe isn't – I don't know if he's necessarily not ready for the NHL, but now you don't have to find out the bad way, right? I mean, you don't have to go out there and stick him out on the on the second or first line and have him, you know, walk away this season with a, a, a minus 35 plus minus and, you know, <laughs> yeah. 30 points, and it looks like, okay, this guy's going to be a, a bust, right? So, um, you know, it's kind of like, you know, uh, Rasmus Dahlin. I mean, I knew he was going to be good, but I felt bad for him those first couple of years because he's just in a situation where his numbers are going to look – shitty because of where he's at and they had no one else to play in front of him in the lineup and so now you give a guy like your check a little bit more time to to ripen a little bit more time to learn both ends of the game and really develop into a great two-way defenseman for this team for the long haul and i think babcock will be actually be good for his game too sure. i think a coach that you know is going to like he wants those big big blue liners who can move the puck uh and can can actually stop the play from happening in the defensive zone. Uh, you know that Babcock back in the what, what draft would that have been? The 2016 draft when uh, they drafted Mitch Marner uh, or 2017, I don't remember, whatever year it was. Uh, that Babcock was pushing for Provorov, and of course Mark Hunter running the draft table for the Leafs. He's pushing. He he pushed for Marner, and he was able to to make that pick because that was his responsibility. So he takes Marner and uh, after, you know, seven years later, Mike Babcock gets his Ivan Provorov <laughs> so, and a Damon Severson, a nice little, uh, a nice little one too. And, uh, you know, with, with Zach Wierenski, I mean, I think they have a, a decent top four now. 
which you definitely couldn't have said last year. So I will say this for Yarmo Kekalainen. He's gone out. He's done his job. I mean, he, he brought in two legitimate top four defensemen to kind of round out this blue line and actually give them a chance to win. You know, yeah. They just didn't. They just could not move the puck last year. No, exactly. And often starts from the back end, right? So now, now that he's taking care of the defensive side of the puck, now you want to look at the offense, and they really need to go out and get themselves a top-line center. So whether or not they, they still have the, the capital to do that is, is to be seen. Um, but at least we know where they're drafting. They have a good shot at getting a really good uh, you know, centerman in the draft here. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, the, as, as, well, maybe we should, should we pivot and talk a little bit Ottawa Senators since they uh, you know, just sold for a whopping $950 million <laughs> to Michael Anlauer? Uh, $950 million for the freaking Ottawa Senators who basically don't have an arena. Uh, it's, it's a pretty unbelievable number. Uh, just shows how much people want to get into the NHL that have money. Uh, people want to own those sports teams. I can't remember what what owner it was. I want to say the guy who owns the Dallas Stars. Uh, I can't. I but don't quote me on that. I I believe that an owner who was like a billionaire, right, like multi billionaire, said, you know, I I mean, I have billions of dollars, and it wasn't until I owned a sports team that I could go into any restaurant I wanted and get a table. <laughs> Probably Mark Cuban. <laughs> no, it wasn't it wasn't somebody that was super well known like that. It was uh, uh it was, you know, a little I I want I think it was the Dallas Stars uh owner. So, but it just just interesting that yeah, money gets you so far, but when you own a sports team, it's just a different level. Like people just their sports teams and the way that they treat the people on their sports teams is just different. And, uh, and it goes to show, uh, what do you think is going to change in Ottawa? Well, I think first off, it's going to be interesting to see what, if the NHL board of governors approves the sale, right? Because I, I know Ed Launder Lauer, I don't know how you really pronounce his name, but anyways, Ed, Ed he, Lauer. Yeah. Ed Lauer. Thank you. Um, he actually owns a 10% stake in the Canadians right now. So, and he's an alternate governor, so I don't know what's going to happen with that situation. Um, obviously, worst case scenario, right? They make him sell his minority stake, and then he's just full owner. But um, you know, I, I think first off, it, you're going to see a guy here. I think um, you know it's it's clear he's willing to spend the money, right? Because I think last time I read Forbes had you know um, valued this team at I think at the highest level, like eight hundred million dollars, and I think another publication said something like six hundred fifty million bucks. So clearly. Um, I mean, clearly this guy's not afraid to spend the money. And I think what you're going to see is he's, he's going to want to win, right? Because I think he's going to be willing to spend the money to bring in a coach. He's going to be spent, be willing to spend the money that previous Ottawa, you know, ownership has not been willing to spend on players to bring them in because listen, they were known as a franchise that was a little tight on the, on the budget, right? They, they weren't willing to spend. And so hopefully that changes. And I think it will. And, you know, obviously I think that's one thing that, you know, we'd like to see in Canada is, you know, teams that are willing to spend, willing to, to, to pay players to come and play because, you know, they're having a hard time getting players in Canada right now. And, you know, we haven't seen a Stanley cup champion in Canada since 1993 and this is Canada's sport. So you hope that they bring a little level of swag back to, to Canada, if you don't mind me saying. Absolutely. I, I would agree. Um, I, I, 
also think that the Ottawa Senators have been kind of like between, you know, they're in the same division. You've got Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto. I think an owner with legitimate money and like a legitimate, uh, I, I, with a, with a little bit more of a modern day approach to a sports franchise, I think is going to legitimize not just the franchise, but the city a little more because in Canada, I mean, it's just, it's about your professional hockey team. I mean, Toronto, yes, they have the Raptors, they have the Blue Jays, uh, but no other city is getting a professional basketball or baseball team uh, anytime soon. So it's all about that hockey team. And you, you know, you look at uh, the way that people kind of view Ottawa and it is like the armpit of the rest of the Ontario Quebec teams. And I wonder if Ottawa has success here, if they become a, a, a high grossing team, you know, things kind of, they, they change from being this, uh, small market to more of a mid market, maybe like a, a, a bigger type of a franchise. If that doesn't make the draw for a Quebec city team again, if this isn't the, the template or the, the primer for a team to go back to Quebec city. Yeah, that would be interesting. I mean, again, um, you know, right. You've, you've got to have an owner that's willing to spend money because that's the only way you're going to, you're going to get it in Quebec. That's for sure. hundred percent. Um, by the way, I believe that I have solved the trivia question on, uh, who is the, uh, a coach that has won between the longest between cup wins Ooh, please I believe share. that I have figured it out. Uh, take a guess before I, before I reveal it. It actually is who I would have guessed. I should have guessed before I went and looked it up. But it is who I would have guessed. and Who you would have guessed. And uh, it was just just based off, I don't know, I just, yeah, it's who I would have guessed. Uh, hmm. Well, while you think of that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you th- Okay, well, I'll just tell you. It's uh, Scotty Bowman. Scotty Bowman, he, he, okay. He won the cup in 1979 with the Montreal Canadiens for the last time, and then... The next time he won the cup was with the Pittsburgh Penguins in 1992. So he won it 13 years apart. So, I mean, at, that's actually not that long uh, for, you know, for how long some of these coaches coach. It doesn't seem like that long, but, uh, you know, 13 years ago, that's 2010. So anyone that's won the cup in 2010 or earlier that hasn't won it since if they happen to win the cup again, they would uh, they would set the record for the longest time between cup wins. So that could be Peter Laviolette if he were to yeah. win the cup with the New York Rangers. Hmm. Um, okay, I I think that's all we have. I mean, I don't think there. You know, the the other funny thing about uh, well, the Stanley Cup Finals are on. I feel like for the for the most part, a lot of the big news is kind of being held back. I know the Senators got sold. And when I saw the Senators got sold too, I said, "Oh, there's like there's not going to be any other news today. <laughs> they, they're going to want that to to be the number one thing." Um, and then the Rangers hired Laviolette, so the Rangers were like, "Fuck you, Ottawa. We don't care." That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and Patrick Sharp was named special advisor for the Flyers, so good for him. Uh, but I think uh, next show we'll we'll start doing some uh, some draft things and you know what what each team will be doing ahead of the draft. So uh, stay tuned for that. The Stanley Cup Finals will be over, regardless if it's over tonight or uh, or over in seven games. We'll uh, next show we'll we'll talk lots of draft and 
who we think your team might draft and you know what what kind of things they need we'll, we'll kind of start going down that road if that sounds good to you justin that sounds great all right all right well thank you for joining us uh you can find us on twitter at at ot hockey talk uh justin any final thoughts before we sign off uh my boy connor hollebuck has officially made it oh official. yeah yeah i'm sorry I, I we did talk about talking about that we could talk about that no, we, I mean, we, we can save it for the next show. Sure, sure we can. Yeah. Uh, yes, yeah, but you're right. He he has made it official. He wants to get out of there. And it is, or not necessarily that he wants to get out of there. He's not going to sign long term. So he wants to get out of there, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't request a trade. He just told them he wouldn't resign. Right. <laughs> so, which, you know, I wonder if the Winnipeg Jets had been Let's say that they were like still good. They were like, it was like, okay, they made the second round or something and they still, they were keeping all their pieces. I actually still think that he wouldn't resign there. That, no, I agree with that's, you. That's, you know, an American born player getting out of Winnipeg. I, I just got to imagine that he wants to go back to the States. Uh, but, you know, hey, all, all that could be, could be knocked down when he gets traded to the Leafs or something. Yeah, I think uh, <laughs> we're the Red but, Wings. You know what? That that wouldn't surprise me, to be quite honest. But I don't know. I'd have to take a peek and see what uh, you know. Husos, if he has any no trade clauses, because obviously, if you're bringing in a guy like uh, you know Hollibuck, you, you know you're getting rid of Huso because you can't afford to keep them both there. Uh, so he's got a modified no trade list, a ten play or a ten team no trade list. So uh, would would Winnipeg be on that list? I, I probably not. Yeah, know. but Huso only has, I mean, he only has two years left. Uh, seemingly, you'd keep him, like, you could keep him for this year. You know, you just go in with Hellebuck and Huso, you'd still be just barely over $10 bucks, And uh, in in cap for the goaltending position this year, and then you could trade Huso next year. When he only has one year left on his deal, it'd be a lot easier to trade him. So and, that, and that's always been the issue with Hellebuck is that he hasn't had the backup goaltender to shield him and make it so that he doesn't have to play sixty plus games. And if you have Huso, I mean, you're you're in the money. He can play thirty five games, no problem, and, and you feel good about it. Mm, interesting. So, well, we will uh, explore that and uh, lots of other ideas on the next show. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you guys soon. Justin, enjoy your night and enjoy camping this weekend. Hey, thanks. I will. Yeah, no problem. See ya.